Welcome to the Review the Name podcast. I am Jordan, and I have been the editor-in-chief at the site since its founding. Uh, we've been filling our own dusty little corner of the internet with pop culture criticism, tomfoolery, and chicanery for about three years now. And to celebrate the one-year anniversary of our new website, ReviewBeName.com, we decided we would bring back the erstwhile ReviewBeName podcast. I, as always, wanted to call it the podcast to be named, because I think that's clever, and that's the sort of clever, witty sort of person I am. But I was told that would confuse all of the four of you who are familiar with the ReviewBeName brand. We then thought about calling it the Review Be Podcasted, but apparently that runs into the same problem. Uh, then there was the Review to Be Podcasted to be named. In short, this is the Review Be Named Podcast, and it shall be called that into perpetuity, or until we get shut down and committed into an insane asylum. We plan to do an installment each week with the various members of our staff, bringing you a half hour of pop culture news, commentary, criticism, and general jackassery. We want this to be an interactive feature, so if any of you who are actually listening to this, we hope you're out there, uh, have any questions you want us to answer on the podcast, have any ideas for things you think we should talk about in any given week, any games we should be playing, or any comments about what we're doing to you here, um, and it is something we're doing to you, let us know either in the comments at reviewbenamed.com, our website, by emailing us at reviewbenamed at gmail.com, or by tweeting us at reviewbenamed. Joining me on this installment of the show are Chris and Alex. Chris is the editor of our comic section at the site, and Alex writes for us about movies. Today on the show, we'll be playing a little game we like to call Fuck, Mary Kill. We'll be discussing The Dark Knight Rises, because it's kind of a big deal. Uh, we'll be looking at the Olympics opening ceremonies, mostly because Chris wants to chant USA, USA for five minutes while Alex and I try to engage in a civilized discourse. And finally, we'll be introducing our weekly pop culture face-off called Who Won the Week?, Stick with us throughout the half hour, and please, please don't yell at your computer when you have something to say. We can't hear it when you do that, and it makes your neighbors really angry. So without further ado, I'm going to turn things over to Chris, who will be guiding us through a few rounds of Fuck, Mary Kill. Chris? All right, Jordan. Thank you very much for that introduction. And as Jordan said, welcome to the show. We are very excited to get started here. So we are going to kick things off with a game that's going to help uh, you guys to get to know us a little bit better and our philosophy on pop culture and just us to just kick back and enjoy ourselves for a little while. So I feel like everyone's very familiar with this game and how it works, but I will go over the rules just in case you have been living under a rock for the entirety of your life and don't get invited to parties because that's us. We really don't get out that much here at Review to be Named, so this is probably the social highlight of our week. We hope to make it yours. So... The way this game works is that we're going to have three figures that are prominent in pop culture, and there'll be a common theme for all of them, and you have to pick one of them who you would like to marry, one who would you, want, you, you would want to fuck, and one who you would want to kill, do away with, dispose in the most horrifying way that Jordan can possibly imagine. And those are pretty uh, scary. Yeah, it's dark stuff. So... We're going to go through three rounds of this game, and we're all going to go through and have to answer the question. And uh, again, we're going to uh, not factor in our particular uh, gender biases, what have you. You have to answer the question no matter what. You can't opt out based on, you know, that it's like a man or a woman or a robot for that matter. Everybody has to answer. We are all and pansexual you you. here. Yes. At least for the, for the extent one. of the game. It is, a, it is just a love fest. And the after party. Things <laughs> are going to get weird, both during and after. Uh, and as always, you need to show your work. That is that is paramount, showing your work. 
Okay, so let's get started with our first round of Fuck, Mary Kill. And I'm going to kick this over to Alex to start things off. So, Alex, for yes. Fuck, Mary Kill, round one, your three possibilities are from Futurama, mm -hmm. Leela, Amy, mm. and the Planet Express ship itself. Hmm. Well, I would probably have to kill the Planet Express ship because I can't stick my dick in it. I would have <laughs> to... That leaves the two ones I can stick my dick in. Hmm. This is the only way you ever eliminate any options, right? Oh, yeah, if I can stick my dick in it or not. That's how I solve most of my problems in life. <laughs> well, I'd probably have to marry Amy and fuck Leela because Amy is a billionaire and Leela has one eye, so I think that'd be the right amount of one-night stand that I can take. The amount of eyes they have or the amount of times you'll engage in sex with them? Yeah, potentially. Alex has a sophisticated criteria that guides him through life. <laughs> All right, Jordan, same question. Okay, um, let's see. I am going to kill Amy because uh, while she is a billionaire, uh, she's a little bit annoying, uh, which is enough to have me murder her, apparently, if these are the three options I have. Um, I'm going to... Fuck Leela, because I find her very attractive, even if she has the one eye. Uh, she seems like a cool lady. And I'm going to marry the Planet Express ship, because ultimately, while I'd probably be happier married to an actual sentient object, uh, I think the idea of there, having my own spaceship in the long term is pretty cool. There was the episode where Bender and the spaceship got intimate, so... Alright, well, and, you know, I'd forgotten about that episode, and I think that does add to the fact that I, uh, I might be, be able to be happy in a marriage with the ship. So, yeah, I'm gonna marry the ship. The ship was pretty needy, if I remember correctly. It was, like, it was really, really clingy. So, if you're in the bedroom... Very HAL 9000 female version. Uh, does it sing Daisy? Because I'd like to be a little to sleep to that every night. I bet... I, I, sure. I bet you can not? teach it. <laughs> Alright. Good to know. Chris, what about you? All right. Uh, this is tough for me. I think... All right. Let's go with... I think I would also marry Amy for the fact that her parents own Mars. That's kind of hard to... If, even if she gets annoying, you can go to the other side of the planet. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Plus, she has the, the convertible made out of eagles, and who can, who can turn that down? Like, I... <laughs> I can just be cruising around that all day while the Planet Express crew is out doing their thing. Um, I would, as much as I love Leela, I think I would have to kill her because as much as she is responsible for saving the ass of the Planet Express crew, I feel like she also gets them into more hairy situations, or at least as many as Fry does. So I think for my own personal <laughs> safety, a marriage or a one-night stand both have kind of a high mortality rate while she's around. So, sorry, Leela, I kind of see it as a you or me sort of situation. And my other reasoning behind that is that I would want to bang the Planet Express ship just for the story. I, you know what? It's weird. I'm, I'm sorry. It's the future. It's acceptable. I'm a full supporter of banging someone for the story, but I'm not sure that the story of, guys, I had sex with a spaceship last night is actually going to be all that good. 
uh, I think it sounds great. I am already intently interested in that story. I would like to hear more also. Exactly. All right. Well, clearly I have the odd man out on this one. Think, think if you were able to say that, like, guys, I banged the Millennium Falcon. Well, that's a whole different been... fuck, Mary kill. We'll deal with that, I'm sure, in some future week. <laughs> fuck, Mary kill spaceship. <laughs> I am so excited. Sexually. <laughs> okay, so uh, let's let's keep this let's keep this moving along. So uh, next, we have a uh, a round of content of choices that has a common theme that I will name after listing them. Hopefully, you will all get them before I finish. So your options are Jason Russell, Pee Wee Herman, and Fred Willard. Yes, unfortunately, I think we can all identify what the theme is here. It's dancing to the tequila, right? <laughs> yes, yes, it is. <laughs> that was that was a joke, listeners. It's uh, clearly public masturbation. I didn't think we needed to say it, but all right. yes, it is indeed <laughs> jacking it in public. Well, I don't know. I don't know what the level of uh, engagement of our listeners is in the pop culture sphere. Fred Willard's indiscretion is pretty new, so I'll I'll throw it out there. Um, do we want to? I, I just stole the mic, so I'm going to go ahead and start. I guess. <laughs> I just do. I just want to I just want to throw in a note here that Fred Willard is pushing 80. So I you know I'm going to go out on a limb here and just say good for him. Frankly, I'm like, pretty impressed. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not really that upset about it. I, I'm just mostly impressed. I think we all should be. We can all we can all just you know I I have no words. I mean I could if, if he can still do it in a sense. I'm going to look the other way. That's. I, I can't really, I can't really put up too much of a fuss about it, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. Um, I've also just as a as an ass, I've never understood what the point of adult film theaters are if not to masturbate in public. I'm just like that. Always seems like that's why you would go there. For for the that's for why the I experience, go, Jordan. <laughs> um. So. Okay, to, Okay. so Alex started off this last one, so let's kick it over to Jordan to start this one off. To answer that question, all right, I am going to... Um, <clears throat> I'm going to kill Pee Wee Herman, uh, and I love Pee Wee, but he's so childlike that the idea of having sex with him is deeply disturbing to me, and he's so obnoxious for in large doses that the idea of actually being married to him makes me want to blow my brains out. So as much as I enjoy spending some time at the Playhouse and uh, watching Pee-Wee's Big Adventure every once in a while, I think I'm going to horribly murder him. Uh, I'm going to fuck Jason Russell, because, uh, I mean, it seems like that's something I could just get out of the way and move on. <laughs> just put your life together afterwards. Yeah, just, just, you know, <laughs> close my eyes, think of England, get it done. Um, and then marry Fred Willard because he's awesome and I feel like I can hang out with him. And also, if, if he ends up not being awesome, then he's like 80 years old, so the marriage isn't going to last that long anyway. All right. All right. That's fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. So let's move on. Alex? You know, I have to just take the same approach that Jordan did with the exact same choices because Pee Wee Herman's extremely annoying. I'm not too familiar with Jason Russell, so I figure a one-night stand is all I could really do. And Fred Willard is pretty awesome. So, yeah. Kill, marry, fuck. Or no, 
kill, fuck, marry, in that order. So you would, again, you would kill Pee Wee Herman, right. fuck Jason Russell, and yep. marry Fred Willard. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's hard. It is hard. Jordan, it is hard to argue with your work on this one. I, It's very, very difficult to go against that reasoning. Look, we that all know I'm brilliant. Though, I, uh, you know what? I'm just going to be... I'm just going to be difficult because that's what I do. So I think I'm going to have to go with I would <laughs> I would fuck Pee Wee Herman just to bang him in the playhouse. <laughs> I am going to take yeah, that quote weird. and I'm going to play it whenever you want to do anything for the rest of your life that has any prestige attached to it. I feel like anytime you'd thrust into that man, he'd make the sound like a bike horn. <laughs> you realize, Chris, that people are going to listen to this, right? So now it's 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 a thing. Now it's out there. It's out there. It's this is a public forum. It's certainly not for children. We've uh, we've used swear words uh, countless times so far. In fact, in yeah. the title of the game. So seriously, it, children. If your kids are listening to this, change the channel. And you're letting your kids listen to Chris talk about why he wants to have sex with Phoebe Herman in the Playhouse. You maybe should send them to a different room. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's it's just like the closest you will come to banging on ecstasy without ecstasy actually being involved, I feel like. So that's my reasoning behind Pee Wee Herman. It's just the cheapest drug-induced orgy that you can possibly buy, that money can possibly not buy. I don't know. You can get some pretty cheap drug-induced but, orgies in the red market. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, let's say I will then... Um, Sorry, Jason, you don't really affect my life one way or the other, so Fred Willard's too awesome to bump off at this point. I gotta also marry Fred Willard, so Jason Russell's gonna get the axe, unfortunately. All of us seem to be sort of whatever about Jason Russell, so... <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Jason. Yeah, Jason, definitely friend of the show, listener to the podcast, obviously, so I'm <laughs> sure he's crying while he listens to this right now. I think he was gonna be on this week, which is why he was in the... Uh... Nominees. Yeah, he I was definitely he was definitely going to be one of our guests, but uh, you know, yeah. just didn't end up working out scheduling wise. Truth. Okay, so then moving on to our final round, we have um, we have disorganizations. What we have here, bear with us a moment, listeners. Oh, okay, so we have inspired by the. Past weekend's big blockbuster movie, The Dark Knight Rises, we have a round that is Catwoman themed. So our nominees for this round are, and I can't read my writing here, Jordan, so you're going to have to help me out on this one, is Anne Hathaway, Michelle Pfeiffer, and... Julie Newmar. Julie Newmar. Julie Newmar. For some reason, I keep running Julianne Newmar. That's not her name, though. So that would be... I keep writing that, it. You would ruin the theme of the, of the Fuck, Mary Kill you're trying to present us with right now if you were to say Julianne Newmar, who's a person I'm not familiar with and therefore would yeah. deeply confuse me. I think she's I think she's a realtor, actually. Uh, she was going to be a guest on the show, but uh, didn't call us back. So again, so again, for this round, it is Anne Hathaway, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Julie Newmar. I think this, and I, th- I will, I will, uh, I will go on further to say that they are all in their prime when they were playing Catwoman, ah. and they are all wearing their respective Catwoman suits. You know, you take all the fun out of it. I like the idea of of Julie Newmar now being being thrown in there, but <laughs> all right, I'll accept that. I know you do, Jordan. <laughs> I know how you're not. I know what you wanted. <laughs> okay, so Alex, this. Is probably the toughest decision I'll have to make all month. 
because all of these women at their prime were fantastic. I guess Anne Hathaway's still at her prime, isn't she? Yeah, I'd say so. She's probably, she's probably just starting her prime thanks to the Dark Knight Rises. Um, but I would probably have to say I'm going to kill Michelle Pfeiffer because the Tim Burton cartoony comic book driven Batman Catwoman costume just is not doing it for me. I will fuck Anne Hathaway because it's Anne Hathaway. Do I really need a reason? And I'm going to marry Julie Newmar, who, in her prime, because I don't know if you've looked at pictures of her wearing this Catwoman suit, but holy shit. I've never stopped looking at pictures of her wearing the Catwoman suit. Oh my god. (laughs) Yeah, I don't... (laughs) Three beautiful women. I was trying to hold off till the podcast is over, if you could, with uh, any untoward actions. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so Alex, uh, what did you think of this week in public? Just a minute. Just a minute. Quiet. Quiet. I'm going to be on next week's segment of masturbating in public. <laughs> Is that a segment we do now? <laughs> yes. I'm making it. <laughs> this is a this is a bit of a boys club this week because Rachel has decided to drop out on us. Uh, I think this is as good a time as any to bring that up while we're talking about Alex masturbating in public. Um, Rachel decided that she would rather be in New Jersey than hanging out with us in the podcast, which is unfathomable to me. Uh, So feel free to bring out any and all disparaging remarks about Rachel you feel the need to voice during the rest of the half hour. Also, if you are offended by any of the content of the podcast or disagree with any of uh, our opinions here therein or feel that this was just a colossal waste of your time, please direct all of those comments towards Rachel. Yes, and um, any steaming piles of feces that you would like to leave on any of our doors, I think we can probably provide Rachel's address, uh, maybe her home phone number and some keys to her apartment. We can probably get all that to you guys, so just let us know. Stay tuned after the credits. We'll be giving you detailed information on how to find her. Anyways, let's uh, move this along. Jordan, Catwoman Edition. Yes, um, I am going to... This is tough. This is real tough. Um, I'm going to marry Anne Hathaway because I'm pretty sure she's the love of my life and she hasn't figured that out yet, but she will. She'll get there. Um, so that, I'm going to cross that one right off the list. The other two, I really like, I, I am a big fan of both of these ladies, uh, so this is a tough call. I'm going to kill Julie Newmar because Aww. I think Michelle Pfeiffer is a class act. Uh, while... Yes, Batman Returns was campy. Uh, I thought it was the best of the campy Batman movies. And um, just Michelle Pfeiffer in general, fantastic. So I'm going to go ahead and have my one-night stand with her, Marianne Hathaway, and uh, give old Julie Newmar the axe. You're a terrible person, Jordan. You're just the worst. Yeah, I feel bad about it. Yeah. But not that bad. All right. Uh, So just breezing through this, because I feel like our uh, listeners are just either very uh, disturbed by all of us at this point. Uh, So let's try and move on and recoup some of our dignity after this segment. I will say that uh, my one night stand will be with Anne Hathaway because as Alex said, it's Anne Hathaway and I would just direct you to any of her scenes in that film or just any other time. She is a, she's just a gorgeous, gorgeous woman. Uh, I will kill Michelle Pfeiffer. 
simply because uh, that incarnation of the Bat series is probably one of, uh, well, of these nominees here, the ones, the Bat films that they're associated with, the Bat franchises they're associated with, I have the least attachment to that one. Uh, and Julie Newmar, I will marry just because I love, love, love the 60s uh, incarnation of the Bat show. I love everything about it. It was just this weird, surreal, absolutely ridiculous and zany piece of colorful <laughs> pop culture where it seemed like anything could happen. And like a lot of people dislike it for those same reasons, but I happen to just find it to be one of the most entertaining things ever and to just be connected to it in some way via my marriage to Julie Newmar. Sure, let's do it. Sign me up for life. Sounds great. And that brings us to an end for this segment. All right. So, again, as we said at the top of the segment, nothing said during it is admissible in court. Yeah, and I don't think that uh, uh, that works legally. As the resident uh, lawyer at Review Be Named. That, uh, don't tell them that! <laughs> also, I'm not a lawyer. We should make that very clear. Yes. Again, nothing is admissible. We, if we say it, 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 it comes true, right? That's that's how the law works, right, Jordan? Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I am pretty After sure. This that's segment, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, let's move on, Jordan. I'm going to kick it back to you. All right, and I am going to send it Alex's way. Uh, Alex, you're going to be talking with us uh, about The Dark Knight Rises. I am. I am indeed. Let me first say that the Aurora shooting is a tragedy that is unfathomable, that it shouldn't have happened, but there are other places on the internet where you can get better, more thoughtful, more respectful even, probably, excuse me, uh, opinions on that, and uh, we're not going to really talk about the Aurora shooting, we're going to talk about the movie, because when it comes down to it, that's what we should be giving our attention to, we shouldn't give it to these crazy people that are just... Who knows? But that's already too much time on that. This is also going to be a spoiler-filled segment, so if you haven't seen The Dark Knight Rises for some reason, then skip ten minutes ahead or so, and you might be okay, or you might suddenly hear us say that Killer Croc shows up and ruin the whole movie. So. Yeah, that was really a, a surprise. Yeah, and I, 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 I never didn't expect thought the, uh, the Melody of Broadway musical sequence in the middle there. The uh, the Adam the Adam West cameo time travel thing was really what did it for me. That was what put me over the top in it. And when when the Batman from all universes came together, that was that was the best. And so for those all of you who have times. have seen the movie and are still listening to this bullshit, uh, we're gonna go ahead and actually talk about the movie now instead of all of our random jokes about what was not in the movie. So we'll kick it back to you, Alex, and we get us started. We use the term jokes very loosely here, apparently. <laughs> well. I'll just start off by saying that, obviously, how many times can you think of a movie in a trilogy where the third one is the best? I, I challenge that. No, there is none. Uh, uh, I think that's true, there is none. And I, uh, as much as I, I really enjoy The Dark Knight Rises, I still think that there is none. Uh, I think The Dark Knight is the better of the trilogy. But I guess we can get into that a little bit, apparently. Absolutely. I think that The Dark Knight is the top of these movies, but my problems with The Dark Knight Rises mostly lie with it wanting to cram so much in where 
I think I'm just going to start it off. Like I said, spoilers, but Talia Al Ghul being in it was completely unnecessary. I hated every moment of that. And I, I'm an idiot, so I wasn't really looking for it. And I didn't realize that it was going to be Talia Al Ghul, uh, Marianne Cotillard, or however you prefer to pronounce her name. I didn't realize choice, that yeah. that's who she was going to be. And it was a surprise to me when she came out and said that that's who she was and stabbed Batman in the ribs. But I mean, yeah, I think it took away from Bane. I think it added minutes to the movie that could have been spent better. And that the love scene between her and Bat and Bruce Wayne just out of nowhere, it didn't make any sense to the theme of the movie, the characters, nothing. Absolutely nothing. Chris, do you have any thoughts on that? Rebuttals, comments, anything? <laughs> I, I I really agree with you, Alex, in terms of what my what I can attribute to being the biggest, if not the only flaw in the movie, is the inclusion of Talia Al Ghul. Uh, I there really isn't a lot I can say on that that you didn't already say. I. Uh, it was, I feel, an unnecessary twist. I, uh, it it did a lot of things that I really thought just undercut a lot of stronger elements from earlier in the film. Again, a lot of where Bane was coming from, uh, and she she was just in there for such a short amount of time. Like you really couldn't build up the character in ways that you had built up. They, Mr. Nolan had built up other characters throughout the film. And you, what you, you essentially have is Bane, who is a very interesting antagonist. You kind of reassess how you view him now. Is he a henchman? Is he a partner? I, I, I don't really know. All I know is that I'm not quite as enthralled with him as I was earlier in the film. And her turnaround, her twist, her quick scenes of villainry and pulling back that curtain was... Again, I don't really think this is Marion Cotillard's fault. I just think that the the performance was so rushed. Like it, it was, it was some really weak lines, some really weak acting. But it was just like trying to cram a mastermind of a mastermind villain's plot and motivation into ten, maybe fifteen minutes of film. And it's just, it's that's a challenge for anybody. And it just really, the execution just wasn't there. I, uh, I think it seems like I'm going to be the voice of dissent here. While, uh, as I've already made clear, I think The Dark Knight was the better movie. Um, I think I've seen The Dark Knight Rises twice now. I liked it even better the second time. I think it was uh, the best, probably the best possible conclusion to the Batman story Christopher Nolan was telling. And I think seeing it, seeing it again, thinking of it that way, um, I felt like it tied in a lot of what he did in Batman Begins and in The Dark Knight and the, the themes and the character of Batman that he created that was sort of his own take on the character. I think it tied all those up beautifully. Um, when they announced that Marion Cotillard was going to be in the movie, everyone said, oh, so she's Talia al Ghul. And, of course, Christopher Nolan said, oh, no, she's not Talia al Ghul. And, you know, when they asked Joseph Gordon-Levitt's going to be in the movie, uh, everyone says, oh, so he's going to be Robin. And Christopher Nolan said, oh, no, he's not going to be Robin. And both of those things clearly turned out to be pretty much erroneous. Uh, Talia al Ghul is in the movie, played by Marion Cotillard, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt basically plays Robin. So, that was... Apparently that's even his name now. Yeah, which I thought, like, if you're going to do a, a cutesy little thing like that, you can make it Dick Grayson. Enough people know who Dick Grayson is. Um, yeah, so that, that, I thought so. But ultimately, having those things, like, 
having guessed those things when the cast- casting announcements came out years ago, uh, I thought both of them were handled well enough. I could have done without the cutesy. It almost felt like the end of 500 Days of Summer there, where it's like, my name's Robin, wink. Um, I could have done without that moment, but I thought the revealed tie all was actually handled very well. Um, I thought the performance by Mario Cotillard made sense, and actually I think the reveal gave some depth to Bane that uh, would have been lacking otherwise. I think that you can do Bane as this soulless evil, um, and that's cool and fine, but I, I thought he was more moving as a character, and I think Tom Hardy's best scene was when he was sitting there sort of like welling up with tears and almost crying as she's spelling out the backstory. That, and that could have been That really was absolutely heavy. fantastic. Yeah. That could have been just a really exposition-heavy, clumsy reveal, and I thought Hardy was great. I thought... It added something to the movie that I I think needed to be there to make Bane an even more compelling bad guy. And I don't think Bane gets henchman, henchman status at that point because uh, as soon as she leaves, he takes it on himself that he's going to kill Batman. You know, he doesn't listen to her. He's got his own plan. He's got his own way of executing it. Um, so I don't think it detracted from Bane. I still think that they could have, if they didn't have Talia al Ghul and Bane be... The way they set it up made me just think, oh, so Bane did all of this for love. And that is something that I think that if they took her out of it, they could have fleshed out his ideas more and how he got armies of men to follow him into Gotham just to overturn the status quo, essentially. Yeah, I I really was... I was more so interested in Bane, like, maybe just to expound on what I was saying earlier. Uh, I think the my problem with Bane's character being undercut a little bit was not only the this idea, and I, I, I we can get into whether or not, like, Talia al Ghul's presence cut or undercut him, but I, I think part of it was also that connection that she brought in back to the League of Shadows. This is, again, the plot from Batman Begins 1, where Gotham is corrupt, Gotham needs to be wiped off the map, Gotham needs to just disappear. Um, Whereas before in the film, Bane seemed to be coming from somewhere else. It seemed like, for the first half of the film, Bane was what he said he was. He was this champion of the common man. He was Gotham's reckoning in the sense of he was leading the little guy up against like the legions of wealthy in Gotham. And then everything just kind of got confused as times went on. We got back into uh, the League of Shadows. Talia al Ghul comes back into the picture. And what's actually going on isn't exactly clear. And when it is, it's, you kind of have to, you kind of have to piecemeal it together to make everything. I mean, I, I, I can understand the rationale of their plan, but it's not the most clear and straightforward thing in the world. I, uh, I disagree again. Um, I actually think it makes a lot of sense. The way that I always read the plan was that they were, I mean, from the, from the moment that Bane takes, seizes power in the, uh, the football stadium, from the moment that goes down, you know that the bomb has the half-life and is going to detonate. So it's never a question of, oh, he's going to make, remake Gotham into a, a populist society. To me, that was a way that was a way to prove the Razakul point that Gotham needed to be wiped off the map, and to make it a better object lesson for the world was to say, "Look what these people are capable of. We can't let society become this. We have to destroy them." So that he would that was handled better in the Dark Knight, in the boat scene, hmm. where it was a boat of prisoners, it was a boat of civilians, and they each had the detonator to blow up each other's boat. 
was did pretty much the same idea that you're saying here, but I think that was a much more elegant way of handling it. Well, I think that the difference here is that Bane was doing something to show the rest of the world that Gotham was a horrible place. The Joker is trying to show Gotham itself and trying to show each person that you know there there is no rule, there's no reason to live by a code uh, of ethics, and that they should be out for themselves or really just out for chaos. Um, I think Bane is is using Gotham as the beginnings of the movement for the League of Shadows to purify the world, quote-unquote. Um, and I think he's show- doing that by showing how quickly he can get Gotham to fall in on itself and, you know, get people to be fighting in the streets and uh, starting kangaroo courts and just how quickly he can make the society devolve. And once he's shown the world that, while everyone's watching for these five months, um, then when Gotham is destroyed, people will probably say, oh, maybe, maybe Gotham needed to be wiped out. And if he can get that edge up on the League of Shadows uh, modus operandi, if you will, if he can get the rest of the world to say maybe they were doing something good there, then he's actually started to plant the seeds for the, the, the wider victory of the League of Shadows. And- yeah, but in, in a sense, like the, the, the way he's going about things is he's making Gotham... I, I, this, this is going to sound like me agreeing with you. Like he's, he's making Gotham worse, but unnecessarily. So like the, the people that were targeted by his like plan are like the everyday average citizens of God where like, I, I think you make the argument that the people that the reason Gotham is the way it is. And is as terrible as it is, is you have this extreme disparity between the haves and the have nots. And so I think the problem that the league of shadows identified was that it's the haves at the top who are exploiting Gotham. Um, and then the have nots like at the very, very bottom who were turned into crime and just made this place hell on earth. And then Bane comes in and basically targets the middle class and tries to bring them down too by, in a sense, like allowing them to rise up and form the kangaroo courts and start assassinating the rich via ice flow exile. It just it, it just seemed very. It it seemed to me like he was very inconsistent in what he was trying to do. In a sense, like, that was what Bane... Bane was a lot of misdirection. Bane was a lot of... His true intention was hidden from what he was actually saying and doing. Uh, But he just... It didn't seem to me like he was targeting the right people in his plan. Well, I think think that Bane was was the misdirection, is the idea was to show how far Gotham could fall. And when, you know, Bane... Theoretically, I mean, it seemed like the plan was Bane's going down with the ship. Um, so Bane is, to the world, this populist guy. Like, the, the idea is to say that he's perverted this middle class. He's shown how quickly they can devolve. And he is that leader that wanted to do that. When in reality, he's doing that to make the point. So I think, I think it is all about the misdirection. Um, and I think... But don't you... Don't you I, I think that the point becomes muddled then. It, it's this idea of... I. I I, I, it seems to me that he's creating the same situation, like he's creating the problem that he's trying to wipe out more so than... I think he's like, revealing, like, not creating. And I think that a lot of that comes down to the idea um, and the, the choice Christopher Nolan, by Christopher Nolan to have Bane wearing a mask and for him to say that he became this compelling figure when he wears the mask. Um, and obviously there, it's real, there are other reasons, but the, the backstory he goes with is that when he's got this mask on, he is this compelling figure and he's sort of an inverse to Batman in that way where he's bringing out this other side of humanity. Um, and I think that that's, you know, the mask is not, is not who Bane actually is and what his intentions actually are. That's what 
he puts on when he's trying to get Gotham to devolve. And yeah, but what I'll keep coming back to is like the middle, the, the middle class is not the problem in Gotham. The middle class is the victim. The middle class is the one who's cut between this constant, these two extremes that are just constantly exploiting them and making their lives hell. And in a sense, Bane was sort of, if we go by this theory of Bane is turning Gotham into the worst of the worst of the worst before he destroys it, is letting it devolve to its like basest. It almost seemed like Bane was portraying this middle class as the problem. Yeah, I Where, I agree. I think he was he was showing uh, that that be- when you get this division that's as bad as it is, even the people that you think of as the victims, even the people that you think of as uh, the good, you know, everyday middle Amer- middle class Americans can become these monsters, these horrible things. Uh, you know, be willing to do these horrible things. And that's why Gotham needs to be wiped out, and that's the object lesson for the rest of the world, is you can't let yourself devolve in the way that Gotham was able to devolve so quickly. So you, you see it as, in a sense, kind of the Harvey Dent scenario being played out over a wider sample. Uh, again, I think, I think that in The Dark Knight, the Joker was going for the corruption of uh, souls one by one. The Joker's idea is, is to show each person ha- that they really have no limits when push comes to shove. And that they're willing to go insane. Whereas I think Bane is trying to root out uh, an inherent evil in societies. So I think it's it's a, it's a sort of a macro-micro. Um, but I guess, yeah, there are similarities. Let's move away from Bane and Bane's plan. Let's think about the movie more as a whole. Uh, and to completely contradict that statement that I just made, I thought the ending was actually uh, very powerful still despite the flaws that I thought I found with it. I thought that uh, the ending with all the characters kind of getting their own resolution was very well handled. Uh, I felt emotional at the end. I loved seeing Robin literally rise up to Batman's lair and seeing Michael Caine and uh, Bruce Wayne in that little French cafe. It, It brought a tear to my eye. Yeah, I gotta say, I uh, I am physically incapable of crying, but I definitely felt choked up uh, when when Batman is about to fly out over the bay with the bomb, and he tells Gordon, uh, you know, basically through his veiled way that he is Bruce Wayne by saying, you know, sometimes all it takes is a man putting a coat around a little boy's shoulders and telling him that the world isn't going to end. And I thought that was such a really powerful moment, and um, it really closed off a lot of it to me. And I thought the idea of letting... Nolan and us have our cake and eat it too with the death of Batman and Bruce Wayne getting to live on was was a really clever way to do it, even if it's kind of obvious, you know, sort of the same way I feel about Talia Ghul and Robin, which I think you guys disagree with. I feel like nothing in it was particularly surprising that it played out that way, but it was ultimately very satisfying nevertheless. I felt like even though I saw it was coming, uh, it was what I wanted to be coming anyway, and I was very happy with it. Yeah, I uh, well, just as a quick sidebar right here, uh, that wasn't hyperbole a moment ago. Uh, Jordan is actually incapable of crying, and we had uh, many long nights uh, at university where we tried to test that theory, and it's true. He is actually incapable of crying. I like that you say we, at university is for British. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of peep shows. <laughs> we went to college. We, we weren't at university. I mean, we were at a, a university, but that's not what we call it. Um. And I'll, and I'll schoolboy this. Anyways, um, 
but yeah, I, I, I definitely want to agree with you right there, Jordan, in that uh, I think that's just a testament to a great ending where it's like, yeah, you see all the beats coming, but each one of them just absolutely hits in exactly the way we want it to. There wasn't a whole lot of surprises at the end of the film, but that didn't matter to me. I was extremely satisfied with each uh, epilogue that we received for the various characters, and I couldn't have asked for a better ending. I think it was hands down the best conclusion I could have asked for to the Nolan films. And while I did have my problems with the film as a whole, the last 10, 15 minutes of the film were extremely satisfying, were, again, just hit all the correct emotional beats that I, as an audience member, should have been feeling at those moments. I felt like it was... It it, it made me view my earlier flaws with the film in a lot more um in a better light just because i felt so satisfied by the that ending by the where everybody was left at the end of their journey yeah and it really it felt like a complete batman story in a way that i hadn't really expected this to 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 do i mean i know that it was conceived as the end of nolan's batman story uh and, and i knew going in that, that 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 was what he was doing with it but it felt more complete to me. And especially the second time I saw it, as I was thinking about all the strands and all the things set up in Batman Begins, it felt like he told his Legend of the Dark Knight, his story of Batman um, from beginning to end in a very satisfying way. And so I was really happy with it. Well, since we've already gone 10 minutes over what we thought we would uh, discussing The Dark Knight Rises, let's end this with everyone giving their best Bane impression. Chris, what's your best Bane impression? Dark Knight Rises Bane. Go. I can't do it. Oh, man. (laughs) You you feel in charge. (laughs) I love that scene. It's my favorite scene in the whole film. That was really, that that was great. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I also don't have an impression, but uh, to humor you, Alex, let me see if I can, uh... I am Gotham's Reckoning. (laughs) What do you got for us, Alex? I'm trying to think of a line from the movie. Shit, I can't... (laughs) You suggested (laughs) this. How did you not have a plan? I know. (laughs) Um, We're really professional here at the Review Podcast. Now you have my permission to die. (laughs) All right, well, that uh, that was 45 seconds of the listeners' lives they will never get back, in which all of us did our incompetent vain impressions. Um, Chris, can we uh, kick it, it over to you? It will be painful for you. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think Alex is actually going to recite every line that Bane said in Dark Knight Rises now. So Now that I can think yeah. of them all, yes. <laughs> okay, uh, so we're, we're a little over on time at the moment, so let's just dive right into it. Olympic opening ceremonies. How far did everybody get through, and what do you think? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start this off by just... Coming right out and saying that I am not the biggest Olympics fan in the world. I I, I generally just have a passing interest. I'll check on the results. I will not watch religiously. I, I will breeze through the opening ceremonies. So, Jordan, fuck you for making me actually watch the opening ceremonies in their entirety this year. I I think it's a cultural touchstone, even if neither if none of us feel like it's particularly important to us individually. It was an excruciating evening. 
Well, I T-bone it, so I get to fast forward through a lot. <laughs> Bastard. Uh, okay, so what did what, what did you guys think? What were the highs? What were the lows? If you can think of a high, that would be awesome. But again, <laughs> I'm the wrong person to be framing this discussion. Um, I didn't think. So I actually I thought I thought a lot of it was done well, even if I didn't particularly enjoy whole uh, large swaths of it. Um, I mean, you weren't you weren't ever going to get a spectacle like we had in Beijing uh, for the 2012 Olympics there in London. They're, it's the British. They're very dignified and austere and, you know, stoic. So we weren't ever going to get... Uh, and also, they don't have as much free slave labor as China does. So we weren't going to get the spectacle that we had in Beijing. But I thought they did a very British show. Um, there were highs and lows. I thought the set was amazing. The, the stadium looked phenomenal. I didn't really care so much for the let's go through British history step-by-step thing. Um, I, I was surprised by some of the music that was not included in there. Uh, British music is awesome segment, which British music is awesome, but there's a lot more awesome music they didn't get to. And uh, while Paul McCartney rallied at the end there, um, and I'm a huge Beatles fan and was looking forward to that, at the very beginning I really thought that singing Hey Jude was going to kill him, which deeply concerned me. What a way to go out, though. Yeah, not bad. (laughs) For queen and country, right? (laughs) I made it through 10 minutes at a party with no sound, and I had no idea what was going on. Oh, was, this, this, is, this is entirely unprofessional of you. You are, uh, you're not getting your bonus for this podcast. I'll, I'll sleep easy on that, I think. <laughs> I, I think the, the most impressive thing I did see when I was watching it was the uh, Lord of the Olympic Rings going up and raining sparks down on all the uh actors on the field who were probably very scared for their skin and were actually unpaid i uh i if i recall the color commentary from matt lauer and meredith vieira correctly they were all volunteers which i cannot imagine volunteering to work under danny boyle to do this shit for three or four months so good for them way to way to step up for the team british yeah, that to me that to me that was the most impressive element of it all. That many people giving up that much of their time to rehearse that and the actual doctors and nurses, commitment. like thousands, must yeah. have died while they were rehearsing this. But hey, <laughs> it was enjoyable. <laughs> there is blood all over the London <laughs> blood. Um, all right, so I here's here's what I, I want to say about. It. I, I think I think it was very very impressive in terms of showmanship, design, acting, and costuming lights like visually it was stunning in terms of thematic relevance and the whole thing making a lot of sense it it didn't to me it it just kind of seemed a little odd it it seemed like we were given the sneak peek into danny boyle's nightmares and it wasn't a particularly engrossing experience that you might hope given his uh past filmography but um it, it was it was just a lot of it was a lot of big ideas that for me just didn't really fit together that well. It, it, it kind of felt a lot, it felt very disjointed and more strange uh, than entertaining and not strange in like a good surreal fantasy land sort of way. Strange in a, we're watching this for three hours and we're definitely not high enough for this 
to be having the effect it should. Yeah, I gotta say this was definitely this was more uh, Slumdog Millionaire Danny Boyle than Train Spotting Danny Boyle, and I've always been a fan yeah. a fan of the latter more than the former. So that was a little disappointing. Um, I will say that for me, my highlight of the show was Rowan Atkinson's bit. Um, I the the Mr. Bean performance with the keyboard. I thought that was that had me throughout. I I laughed. That hit all the right notes for me. I think it was very, very entertaining. That was funny, though the whole time I was thinking, as much as Mr. Bean is a thing, Rowan Atkinson's a great guy, he's very funny, he's a talented comedian, how they had Rowan Atkinson at the opening ceremonies and no one from Monty Python, like, I can't believe that there wasn't a John Cleese bit there. I don't know what the deal was there, um, but I, I had expected to get some Python, and I was a little disappointed about that. Yeah, I noticed that that absent. Well, I didn't watch the entire show, so I thought maybe I mi- missed something. But yeah, I do think that that was a notable absence. Yeah, the lack of pythons and the lack of Elton John made me upset. But yeah, I guess it was only four hours. You know, how could they cram in all they wanted? All British culture. Uh, for me, the biggest low was when um, the army of Mary Poppinses started fighting the armies of. Lord Voldemort's and uh, like giant Lord Voldemort and Cruella Deville and Jack the Rippers that were going around on unicycles, mostly just because like I, I made it, I had made a joke earlier in the thing over Twitter to that effect, and it really was a joke. I was not expecting an army of Mary Poppinses to do battle with an army of giant floating Cruella Devilles. Well, that was that was absolutely ridiculous. The idea, I mean, Mary yeah. Poppins didn't fight like. Yeah. Voldemort would Voldemort would wear Mary Poppins skin if they were to to become in a conflict together. Um, Seriously, but outside the realism of it, I did enjoy that the child catcher from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang was uh, featured among the villains because Chitty Chitty Bang Bang does not get enough love. I think so. Way to have child catcher there, British people. Yeah. So good for Britain for having like the League of Nightmare villains that they could probably be assembled. <laughs> yeah, for appara- something I was gonna say I guess they have like a lot of pride in how awesome their villains are, which fair enough, but like. They got some really terrible fictional people from Britain. You know, you know what? Who I wanted to see take on the League of Nightmare Villains? Like, I, I wanted to see like the actual like current knights of the British Round Table like have to like like Sir Ian McKellen, Sir Elton John. You, you throw yeah, yeah, Sir, like Sir Paul McCartney, Sir Ian McKellen, just like having to rise and defend Queen and country. Like, I would bad. I would watch that movie. That would have had me. Um, that's about all I got for the Olympics. Yeah, they're happening. Yeah, they're they're continuing to go on. We probably will never talk about them again because none of us care about them as much as a lot of other people do. And the opening nope. ceremonies is a pop culture thing, but the rest of it, not so much. Yeah, um, the review to be named sports section, as always, is still coming. <laughs> no, it's we not. We will probably never have one. <laughs> um, I'm not exactly sure what sports are, but I don't think I like it. <laughs> Uh, with that, we're going to go into our final little segment here. Uh, it's, it's a thing we want to do every week here on the podcast, and we hope you guys will help us out with nominees in future weeks. It is called Who Won the Week? We're going to look at some big pop culture figures who had some good moments this week and decide who we think had the best. So the nominees we have this week are Christian Bale, Frank Ocean, uh, Modern Family, Louis, and AMC. To give you a little bit of background on each of those, Christian Bale... Obviously, Dark Knight Rises, but he also uh, did some great work going to visit the victims of the Aurora shooting and really starting to redeem himself for uh, all of his pri- image problems. Yeah, exactly. I was trying to think of a tactful way to say that. All of his previous assholery. Um, 
Frank Ocean, uh, having a big month, uh, having come out as uh, bisexual, at least. Uh, he didn't necessarily make it clear where his sexual preferences lie. Not that I think he needs to, but uh, sort of a big thing for a hip-hop figure to do. And then releasing an excellent album. Uh, Modern Family cast uh, winning out in their contractual negotiations and getting raises. Louis got renewed for a fourth season and uh, also won two TCAs, the Television Critics Association Awards. Um, and AMC, we want to throw throw some credit to for finally canceling the killing. So mm-hmm. the winner, uh, after having carefully tabulated the votes of the numerous people who are voting, uh, which is the three of us, uh, was Christian Bale. So let's talk to you guys about why you think Christian Bale won the week. It brought a tear to my eye to see him posing with the victims and reading up about how he went to, he called the hospital beforehand and specifically said, I don't want any news cameras there. I just want to meet the victims. I want to meet the police officers that dealt with the situation and just trying to keep it as low key as possible until these victims were Twittering his picture like them with him it's it's something that you know you don't really expect uh these big stars to go fly out and just do that on a whim like that and it's just it's a fantastic move class act by christian bale chris i i can't couldn't have said it better myself it was just a very very classy move i hands down it's exactly what you want to see the response to something like this be from the people who you know were not in any way it, it was just a great classy move it was just hands down a lot of the, the best people, response the best response to come from the from Christian Bale a lot of the great. dark knight people involved with the dark knight including Christopher Nolan and everyone they issued their statements which you know that's always a nice thing to do but it seems kind of mandatory at this point but to actually yep. go and do an action like that really is, like i think speaks to his character absolutely yeah i i mean just as someone who has a reputation for anything but being that nice guy who's going to go do something like that uh i think it was really great and i think People may think twice before disparaging Christian Bale's character in the future. Even, I mean, I don't know that this makes him not an asshole, necessarily, but I think it's a great thing for him to have done, um, and I definitely think that I will think more fondly of him, uh, as opposed to just thinking of him as the guy who berated the uh, crew member on Terminator Salvation, uh, because that movie was so, you know, was taking so much out of him. So, <laughs> I, uh... He'll yeah, be receiving uh, a plaque from us. Yeah, he, for will, winning. he will be getting the the Who Won the Week plaque. Um, and if you'd like to come on the show and receive it in person, we'd love that. So I'm pretty sure we'll, we'll have like, Christian Bale here next week. I think that's what, how this is going to end. Have Christian Bale here in the uh, famous review to be named studio. Yeah, hopefully he won't yell at any of us. <laughs> well, that's I mean, once once we get him playing Fuck Mary Kill for a while, he'll probably yell at us. <laughs> I think he'd be good at that game. <laughs> um, so, all right, we're going to keep that brief this week. Sometimes we'll do a longer segment of Who Won the Week. Sometimes it'll be shorter. Uh, before we leave, I want to plug a few things that we're going to be doing in the next week and in the upcoming weeks on the show. Um, so, Alex, first off, why don't you talk to us a little bit about the feature that we're going to be starting next week? Well, this is a segment to be named because we currently don't have a name for it. Uh, maybe we'll have one in the future. Maybe it'll just be this 
thing we do. Routine, a routine thing, yes, exactly. But each week we are going to assign a movie for everyone to watch. This week it will we're going to continue the Christopher Nolan bandwagon hype train, some sort of other metaphor, and uh, we're all going to watch Insomnia, the film that I think is probably his most forgotten film sandwiched right in between the amazing memento and the start of his dark knight rises trilogy batman begins starring al pacino and robin williams and it's on netflix instant so everyone should go watch it with us and then next week we will be discussing it a bit more in detail kind of what we liked about it what we didn't like about it how it fits into nolan's auteur status if you will and each week we'll keep going and doing a different movie like that, and you should all join us. You should play along at home. Um, if you watch the movie and you have something you want to say about it to us or, or questions you want us to address about the movie, email them to us. Um, I'll do the whole – give you all that information in a moment here. But before we leave, I do want to say we're going to start another thing next week, um, which you can also send us information about things you want to have us do. It's a segment we're going to call Pop Culture Dare, where – a listener of the podcast, a reader of the site, or uh, if all of that fails, or if one of us comes up with a great idea, a staffer is going to dare someone on staff, someone who's a member of the podcast here, to undertake a pop culture activity of some sort that they wouldn't necessarily normally do. They are going to go out and do this pop culture thing, whether it's watch a movie, listen to an album, read a book, whatever. They're going to do that, and they will report back to us in a subsequent podcast. So we're going to get the first Pop Culture Dare out there next week. We're going to deal with Alex's segment to be named. Obviously, we're going to be doing more uh, pop culture news, roundups, commentaries, talking about who won the week. All of that will be next week. For now, if you want to talk to us about this podcast, if you want to send us ideas for the next one, if you want to send us your own Fuck, Mary Kills, your own ideas for games we should play, or your own uh, questions for us to answer here on the podcast, you can reach us at uh, the comment section of our website, reviewname.com. You can... Follow us on Twitter, at ReviewToBeNamed, or you can email us at ReviewToBeNamed at gmail.com. For now, hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll see you back here next week. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Bye.